Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Craig, we finally made it to this point. The movie you've been waiting for five years to do. I know, right? Are you sure you're ready to do it? No. <laughs> Should we hold off on this just a little while longer? <laughs> yeah, maybe another five years or so. Yeah, I've seriously only been asking to do this movie like since day one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like now that we're doing it, this could spell the end for our podcast. I mean, I like, know what else, what other films are there for you to look forward to after this? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Well, the film that we're doing at Craig's longstanding request is 1987's The Gate, a PG-13 film. And this is actually going to kick off a month of family-friendly horror films that we're going to do uh, for the month of February. We've assembled four or five films that are PG-13, PG fair, that you could call horror films, but they're not the typical horror films that we do on this show, like bloody and slasher and stuff these are the kind of movies that for one reason or another are kind of geared more towards families and kids but it doesn't mean that they're not fun and certainly this movie is one that you watched a lot as a kid am i right it is and we've talked about this you know we end up talking about a lot of the same stuff a lot of the time but it seemed like when we were growing up in the 80s there was more of a market for these types of horror movies that I don't know if they were intentionally geared towards young people. I, I believe that they were, but they were movies that both young people, I think, and adults could enjoy. Uh, and, and they were good kind of like gateway movies um, for young people to get into horror. And you still see some of them every once in a while, but I, I feel like not as much as we did when we were kids. And when you and I were talking about doing this month, I kind of, you know, just did a little bit of quick internet research and found a nice long list of uh, movies that are appropriate for younger people, but uh, maybe still a little bit on the darker or scarier side. And really the the stuff that has been most recent in that vein has been largely animated, mm. um, which is cool. There are lots of cool animated movies out there. I think, and we may change our minds, so don't hold us to this. I, I think that we've kind of decided to make that its own genre, maybe theme month at some point. Yeah. And we're kind of sticking with live action stuff. For now, not because we don't like the animated stuff, but there's just so many, there's so much good stuff that we're going to have to break it up into a couple of different chunks. But um, yeah, this is one that I watched a lot when I was a kid. Those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while know that uh, we've talked about some other movies that I was fond of. Some of them were familiar with from your childhood, too. I would say that this movie kind of falls in the same category as Troll, which is another one of my childhood favorites, mm. and kind of even maybe uh, Poltergeist. It, yeah. It's that type of fare, I would say. Um, but I always liked this one. This is one that, for whatever reason, I didn't have on VHS when I was a kid, but it got played on cable television a lot, and I would always get really excited. Wait, you didn't have like a, a VHS tape of this at your house? I don't remember having one. Uh, I think that this just was one of those ones that I would catch on cable, but oh. I was always really excited to catch it. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. I didn't realize it played that much on cable. I, 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 this movie, you know, for me... I always remember the video uh, cover in the video store. Yeah. And it all it looked to me like a super scary movie when I was a kid because it's got the gate and it has these demon claws coming out of the words like the words are a hole in the ground. And when I read the back cover, it talks about opening up a gate to hell and all this stuff. I didn't for one second think that this was a I mean, I guess I could have looked at the at the at the rating, but I didn't for one second think this this was going to be PG thirteen kid oriented fair. Right. When I saw this on the shelves, and so I actually never watched it until a few years ago when I was doing. Actually, I think it was your suggestion before we did this podcast. I used to do every Halloween. I would try to watch a, a horror movie a day and write a little bit of something about each one and post it online. And I think the Gate was one that I put on that list at your encouragement 
And I watched it, and I thought, oh, gosh, this movie isn't at all <laughs> like when I was a kid and I saw that cover there in the video store, what I was expecting it to be. But I was pleasantly surprised at how cool it was, and I was a little jealous that you got to experience it as a kid, and I somehow got through my whole childhood without this becoming uh, what would have been, probably for me, a favorite, you know, that we would have watched a lot, I think, if we had had it on Yeah. Hand. Well, you know, sitting down and watching it from start to finish again now it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I can still definitely see why I was so fond of it as a kid. There are a lot of good things going on here. I think something that I maybe didn't even realize until I was sitting down and, you know, really thinking about it. One of the reasons that maybe that I liked it was kind of the same reason that I liked movies like stand by me and the monster squad and the Goonies in that the focus is all on young people. Like, there really virtually are no adults in this movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the parents um, of our main characters are on screen for maybe a couple of minutes for the whole thing, and that's it. The rest of the time, it's completely focused on the young cast, and that's fun, and I think that's fun when you're a kid to be able to kind of... I don't know, put yourself in this situation or at least be able to relate to young people and how we potentially might process and deal with things. And of course, you know, it's PG 13, everything works out in the end. So <laughs> you, <Yeah. know>, like, <laughs> you, you would want to think that you could be as self-sufficient as these kids and conquer the demons and close the gate of hell and all that. Kind right. Of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> with all with the liner notes from a uh, vinyl record, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. It's true. These movies really play into that fantasy that we had as a kids and, and for one, I, maybe that's why I just, there's a part of me that kind of misses that aspect of my childhood, that state of mind that I was in where I would see these stories and I would think, yeah, I could do that. You know, I would read the Hardy Boys all the time. And yeah. every, every, every Hardy Boy book I read, I'd come out of that thinking, yeah, I'm a detective too, right? And I had a little detective kit and I imagined myself going around dusting for fingerprints everywhere and figuring things out, you know, Encyclopedia Brown. And, yep. and, and all these movies just fed into that fantasy that, you know, I think as an adult, I'm a lot more realistic. And it's not like I read a detective novel now and think that I can be a detective, you right. know? <laughs> so there's a place for these kind of movies and uh it's nice to have these kind of films for kids to be able to live out those kind of fantasies and, and it's, it's empowering right yeah i think so i mean this it's just a it's it's a pretty simple little movie i, I mean the cast is not it's very small first of all which i appreciate because it's easy to keep track of people cast is led by Stephen Dorff in his first film. He's really young. I don't know. I would guess like eight maybe in this movie, uh, but I'm, I'm bad at pegging kids ages. So I don't know. He's tiny. Anyway, he plays Glenn and he has an older sister named Al, but she's coming into her teen years. So she would prefer to be called Alexandra. <laughs> 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 but she's played by an actress named Krista Denton, who had has done some other TV and stuff. Nothing that I really remembered her from. And Glenn has a best friend named Terry, who's kind of an oddball, listens to like death metal kind of kid. Terry has lost his mom, and and we don't we never see his dad, but we do get one glimpse into their home, and like it just doesn't seem like they're coping with the loss of their mother very well mm -hmm. like the home is a big wreck and um you know terry's been gone all night long but he just finds a note from his dad that's like away on business see you later <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey dad thanks for the heads up <laughs> and and those really are the central characters and then al has several teenage friends who pop in and out but they're of little consequence another reason of course that i am so fond of this movie is because it's perfectly 80s i mean it opens with this great synth score over the opening credits <laughs> then you just get this wide pan shot of like perfect suburbia 
<laughs> yeah. Know, like, <laughs> like, like the kid from E.T. and the Goonies and these kids all live in the same suburban neighborhood. And it starts out with Glenn. He's riding his bike and he comes in front of his house. But like he's got this very concerned look on his face. I'm like, why are you so worried? And he goes through his house looking for, I don't know, his sister and his parents or whatever, but there's nobody there. He does notice a giant rocket. Like, that's his thing. Like, he likes doing these, you know, model rockets that he launches or whatever. He notices a great big one on his sister's desk, which is going to play a very pivotal role in the movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They introduced that early. Lots of foreshadowing here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But he ends up uh, going out into his backyard and there's this big old tree and this old tree house and he climbs up into it, but the tree gets struck by lightning, at which point he wakes up and realizes it's a dream. But when he goes and looks out his window, he sees that, in fact, for whatever reason, whether it was really struck by lightning or whatever, the, the tree really has fallen over and the parents have hired some people to come and take this tree out. And when he goes outside and is, you know, amongst the workmen, they're pulling out the dead stump and a geode falls out of it. And I mean, just hitting me uh, in all my feels like I was I thought (laughs) geodes were like the most fascinating thing in the world when I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah, I always I, it is so hilarious that you were saying this. Uh, you and I wrote exactly the same notes here. I wrote this too, that literally, I'm reading from my notes. Glenn and Terry do everything 80s fun that I used to do. Model rockets, that cool tablet thing they have where you draw and pull the paper up and finding a geode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always imagine those rocks. You know, you just break open the right rock and there'd be an awesome geode inside. <laughs> right. You know, like these magic crystals. And and they do. I mean, even as adults, those things are freaking cool. Like they yeah. look like something out of a fantasy world. My parents had like a rock garden in their front yard and there was this one big round stone. And my sister and I were convinced that it was a geode. And we did everything we could to try to split that bitch in half. But we never <laughs> could. <laughs> And it, it was probably like day. concrete or something. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, that 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 sets it up. So now there's this big hole in the ground that like smokes, but nobody thinks that's nobody weird. cares. <laughs> that's that's the hilarious thing about this movie is there is this giant hole in the ground that everybody promptly ignores. <laughs> yeah. And and Terry, the friend, comes over, and because they found the small geode, like, Terry is convinced that they can find a bigger one, which, in fact, they do. Hmm. But in the process of doing that, he almost falls into it. Like, it's a flipping sinkhole (laughs) in their backyard. And, And, like, now, you know, looking back, like, everything is so contrived, but I didn't even notice when I was a kid how contrived it is, like... They find the giant geode and then Terry almost falls in and then somehow Glenn gets a big splinter, which makes him bleed. So he bleeds in the hole. As it turns out, there's this whole system of things that needs to happen for the gates of hell to be open. And just by coincidence, they all happen. (laughs) 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 And I love that now looking back like. (laughs) <laughs> like there's like 10 distinct things that have to happen and they all they all do <laughs> <laughs> like the the stars literally have to be aligned like <laughs> <laughs> it's true well i've got the whole list okay so all right. <laughs> because we eventually learn this be- okay so there's other stuff that goes on and we'll we'll get there but Eventually, Terry, like, listens to, like, devil music. (laughs) And he's, like, listening to his devil music in his uh, room. And it's on, like, an LP. And as you mentioned before, not only does the music, like, narrate what's going to happen, but also there are these great liner notes, which is, like, the satanic bible or something <laughs> see these guys knew they wrote their own music but they got their lyrics from this thing called the dark book that's like the bible for demons and here's the creepy part this is their only album 
and after they made it, they all died in a plane crash. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and as he flips through it, and he later shows Glenn, like he's like, "See," and he's like, "All these things have to happen." So there's there's the big hole, and there's a giant demon, and there's a geode, and the constellations are aligned, and there has to be blood. And there has to be a sacrifice, which unintentionally there is. And very specifically, there has to be levitation, yes. <laughs> which they do, <laughs> which they just casually happen to do. They just cas- Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. I mean, we're jumping around, but at some point, the parents leave. They have to go away. For three days. And Al is only 15. These parents are very trusting. Yeah, they really are. Well, they do make a big deal. I guess it was the 80s. <laughs> well, you know, actually, my parents left us home alone. I mean, I was babysitting well before I was 15, but I was babysitting for other people, but not for more than an, an evening, you know? Right. Not, not, not overnight for three days. And it's hilarious as they leave and they're driving off in the car. The last thing mom says, okay, no parties. And then the very next shot is the door opening and <laughs> somebody's arriving to this yeah. massive party that they're throwing at the house. Just like, of course, the 16-year-old's going to do. So they have this party at the house, and it's cool. It seems like a really cool party, too, because at first it starts out with them just drinking beer and playing around. And we get these other scenes with the two boys upstairs reading over the liner notes and doing all this stuff. And then they come back downstairs, and by now they've lit, like, every candle in the house, put them in the living room, and everybody is gathered around, and they're telling ghost stories. Mm -hmm. And then one of the girls gets this uh, idea, oh, let's play the levitation game. And they grab Glenn and make him a participant. And they're all kind of holding him while she starts, when she's like speaking some words. Is that right? And they're I don't all... even remember. Not really. I mean, like they try to do, they try to do one of the teenage boys and they can't do it. And this one girl, like she's so weird. Like, I don't know where she came from, but she's like just this <laughs> weirdo who's like, let's levitate. Um, but anyway, so they decide that the teenage boy must be too heavy and, and they happen to see Glenn like cross, crossing the room. So they get him and they start doing it. And the girl's just like, you know, she doesn't say light as a feather, stiff as a board, but that's basically what she's saying. She's mm-hmm. like, think of dandelions on the wind and blah. And she's telling everybody to concentrate. And just these two people, I feel like, are kind of lifting Glenn, and it's super easy. And then it gets to the point where, like, they've got, they're holding him way up in the air, and then he just keeps floating up yes. to the ceiling. He's literally like, levitating in front of all of yeah, them. And, that's not how this game works. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is never the result of this game. <laughs> no, but not he floats up to the ceiling and like freaks out and eventually falls down. And everybody's like, whoa, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, there's just a shot of the girl's face. She goes, well, maybe I won't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me? You guys all just literally levitated a guy in your in your bedroom, and now you're just going to go off and do something else. It, it's so nonchalant, right? But anyway, it happens, right. and it's required for their uh, their ceremony, right? For that for that to have happened, I guess. Yeah, th- I mean that's one of the things. I mean, we see it <laughs> in the it liner the notes. I mean, they show us like devil worshippers like levitating somebody. So that's one of the things that has to happen so it does and little things are going on like the moths outside are behaving strangely and gosh i you know terry gets all the info he needs to know from his devil music about these old gods that you know ruled the earth but were banished but someday they're going to come back and something about opening the dark gate yeah (laughs) there's all these little things that really seem insignificant but come up later so i feel like i should mention them like glenn gets mad after the whole levitation thing so he digs this gift out from under his bed that was going to be for his sister and it's like this automated rocket launcher so you don't have to actually light things and like he just looks at it and throws it behind the bed totally a throwaway but Mm. important later so Mm. mentioning it eventually they're just like standing terry and glenn are standing out by the hole and terry's like i know what your problem is and glenn's like what and terry's like you got demons (laughs) (laughs) 
Because like they 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 dug up the hole, but then they filled it back in, but then it opened up again, and so they cover it with the floor panel of the treehouse, so mm. that like there's like a trap door that like opens right into to the hole, which is convenient. When they break open that geode, it glows and smokes, and that toy. I don't even know what you call it. It's like a carbon copy toy. Like, yeah. I don't know if they make them anymore. They must not. We were kids. They were awesome. Yeah, you would write on it. It's like a piece of plastic that's a little gray, but a little translucent, and a black, almost waxy part underneath. And when you would press on the top gray part with a pen, or, you know, it's not a pen that marks, but just something, or scratch on yeah. it, you would press against that black, waxy part. And, and, and anyway, you could draw on it. And then you could lift that, and it would all go away. Right. My God, I'd forgotten all about those until I watched I had this movie two. again. But when the geode breaks open and smokes and glows and all that stuff, they notice that it's left weird symbols on that toy. And so they're like, oh, that's weird. And then just like in any other horror movie, they're like, well, let's read it out loud. So they do. And apparently that's the incantation that brings things back. And I guess the first kind of scary thing that happens is Terry's spending the night and he wakes up in the middle of the night to go pee. And when he comes out, he's standing on the landing, but he sees the front door open. And like in this ethereal smoky light, this woman who is apparently his mother comes into the room and calls to him and he goes down and he's like hugging her and she's talking to him and they're not dancing, but that's almost what it looks like. They're hugging and like spinning in a circle. But when Glenn and Al come out and see him, they're like, what are you doing? And he opens his eyes and he's actually hugging their dog, Angus, which is now dead. (laughs) (laughs) Poor old Angus. That's a one twofer right there. (laughs) Poor kid. Poor old 97 year old. (laughs) (laughs) and then somehow one of the boys at the party one of the oh it's the boyfriend right of the girl ali's boyfriend it's the guy it's yeah it's the guy that al's interested in he ends up being tasked with actually getting rid of this dog he's got the dog wrapped up in something and puts it in his car and starts to drive to the vet to dispose of it properly. But the vet is closed. He says no vacancies or something like there was a sign on the door that said, sorry, we're not accepting any more dead animals. Now we're completely filled up. So it was just closed. (laughs) Quit being dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So he's driving around and then he comes back to the house when he um, looks over the fence at the back and sees the hole and thinks, oh, this would be the perfect place. So he ends up chucking the dog in the hole. A sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, because it requires a sacrifice. Yep, that becomes a sacrifice. Coincidentally, he throws the dead dog in there. And so that's the sacrifice, which I guess, you know, is just one more of those things that needs Mm -hmm. to happen. At some point, Terry talks about like how you can banish them if they do get out. And it has to do with like energy that's derived from pure love and light or something like something wishy-washy like that. I yeah. Know. Is that how he what he gets by playing the record backwards? <laughs> oh, I don't. Yes, that's right. No, it's an incantation. Yeah. What's this? The album. Backwards. It tells you how to close the gates. Again, it hits all the 80s feels of the backward masking. Not just the devil music, but also the backward messages in these LPs that kids today will, uh-huh. will never even comprehend was a thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't play your MP3s backwards, I'm afraid. <laughs> no. Yeah, gosh. I, I had a little like Fisher Price record player. I don't recall ever trying to spin my records backwards. Thank goodness. I was worried about it. It would have been bad for them. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) But anyway, okay. So it's nighttime again. And the, uh, Al's annoying friends, the Lee sisters show up for a slumber party. And there's, there's, Funny little stuff like Glenn and the sisters are always like snipping at each other. And at one point he says to her, suck my nose till my head caves in, which I thought was one of the funniest things I've heard in a really long time. But 
we also see a menacing shadow in the stairway. We don't know what that is. And even though Glenn had unplugged the bug zapper, now all of a sudden it's zapping again outside his window. And then there are thousands of moths on his window and they break through the window. And so he goes and gets his sister. They go to try to wake up Terry, who's also spending the night, but it ends up being the dead dog in the bed again. Uh-huh. And and this is when things just start getting really crazy. I want to pause and say, however, that that dead dog prop was disturbingly realistic and I did not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is when things start getting crazy. Like after they see Angus in the bed, like these monster hands come out from under the bed and grab Al and almost pull her under the bed. And, and so they run to the door and they open the door and Glenn's like, yay, mom and dad are home. I um, mean, he runs and he hugs the dad um, but the dad like grabs him by the throat and is like, you've been bad. And then <laughs> this stuff was scary to me when I was a kid. Cause you know, it's the, the parents are supposed to like save the day, but now it's not really them. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Glenn like reaches up for his dad's face and like his hands, like go all like in the mushy face and like the face collapses and his head falls off mm-hmm. and the mom's just like cackling in the background that's scary it is <laughs> it's probably the grossest thing in the movie i mean that might have been what gave it the pg-13 it's the ooze and stuff is all green that comes out but it, you know if it were red it would definitely definitely have been more in our territory it was gross and they go back inside and i guess terry had told some story earlier about a construction worker having been sealed up in Glenn's house. That's true. He does. So he had told Glenn this story about when that, when his Glenn's house was being built, a construction worker had died. And I guess they just sealed him up in the wall. I feel like that's, that story went around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't really come up till later. What, what comes up now is one of my favorites. They go, for some reason to check the backyard, I, I guess, because Terry says, oh, it's the gate or whatever. And Al goes outside and everybody else starts screaming at her to come back in. And she doesn't realize why, but it's because there's all these little demons. They call them minions down by her ankles. So she doesn't see him, but she runs back inside. And really those little demons are the thing that, I always remember most about this movie because they're tiny, but they're so spooky. And I didn't even know until I was an adult that they made that effect with guys in rubber suits and just shooting it in forced perspective and with oversized sets and stuff. It's really amazing. Actually, it's a combination of that and, and stop motion, right? It's some parts of yeah, stop motion. Yeah. Most of the time, it's those guys. And you can kind of tell just because the movements are much more realistic than stop motion used to be. But darn it, like it's done so well. The acting, I think, of the people in these in these costumes, as well as that forced perspective, and when they cut it between stop motion and that, you can hardly tell when it's people in suits and when it's not, and it just makes the whole effect really, really work. Like, it's extremely impressive special effects for these little creatures, especially for the time. Yeah, this has been released on Blu-ray. I've never seen uh, the Blu-ray release. Uh, I watched it for free online. So I have no idea, you know, the quality that I saw, but the one that I saw, I mean, there are times where you can kind of tell that it's an effect just based on the way the lighting kind of looks, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, uh, it's a good effect. And just these little, they're small, but they're also, really menacing and especially in numbers, uh, frightening. Um, and, and they look like little bodybuilders with, you know, no neck and like these pointy faces. They're, they're creepy. They're like action figures. They're almost like little he-men kind of bodies, right? Yeah. Stocky, overly muscular, moving around, no neck. Um, but yeah, definitely real. I think I thought very realistic. When I think of this movie, that's the first thing that I think of. And I know 
years and years ago, maybe even before we started doing this, I came across some behind the scenes pictures of the guys in the suits on the overly large sets that I had never seen before. Um, and I sent them to you just because I thought they were so cool. Mm-hmm. So you can find them online. But from here on, it's just kind of the kids battling these evil forces. First, they think that they're going to read the incantations from the liner notes. But as soon as they go to get the album, it bursts into flames. They want to call the police, but before they can, the phone rings and it's the evil voice of their dad again. And then the phone catches on fire and melts. And so they have no way of contacting anybody. Little details like there's a family portrait hanging in the stairway And uh, after all this craziness starts happening, they walk by it and Glenn looks and everybody in the photograph except for him is slaughtered. Like, Mm -hmm. it's It's really really gross. Yeah, it's really creepy. Like they had clearly done this photo shoot where they took the nice family picture, but then they put, you know, blood and gore all over everybody except Glenn um, and had them pose in really disturbing dead ways And, and little details like that. I just appreciate. Yeah. They end up because they don't have the dark book or whatever. They're like, well, in the movies, they always just read from the Bible. So they get a Bible and they take it out and they start reading. And it seems like it's working because instead of all the light and smoke coming out, it starts getting sucked in. But then in a really stupid moment, Uh, Glenn's like, Terry, you're getting too close to the hole. And he's like, quit being such a loser. And then he falls in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) He falls in the hole and he gets, starts getting attacked by those demons. They're biting his legs and stuff. And uh, finally Glenn ends up pulling him out. And I think Terry throws the Bible into the hole after he's out and causes an explosion. And it seems like now at this point, the hole is closed. And so they kind of think that that's it, right? They start doing a little celebration. They go into the house. But we know we still have at least 20 minutes left on this movie. So at that least, can't be the right. end. <laughs> right. But the good news is because they think that everything is over, those annoying sisters have, an invi- have invited over the annoying boys and they show up and Al, thank God, is finally like, you know what? Just everybody leave. and i was so glad because all of those other teenagers were so obnoxious i just wanted them to leave and they finally do and they're gone for the rest of the movie and i was so happy (laughs) they are but they're obnoxious in such an 80s way like i just love the way that they trade all these quips and barbs back and forth what are you doing um probably fagging off (laughs) what'd you do to your face none of your beeswax Four eyes. I think it's a definite improvement. Hey, eat your feet, dwarf. Suck my nose till my head caves in. Why don't you grow up? Drop dead. Up yours. Piss off. Why don't you shut up? (laughs) (laughs) Fagging off. And the the one girl fagging off. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. I've probably done it, but I don't know what it means. Um... And and the one girl has like something about Mary hair, like her bangs yes. are like four feet <laughs> like high, four feet high. It's a uh, <laughs> so funny. It's but weird. they get rid of them, thank goodness. Um, but and Al's like, it's the middle of the night. It's going to be morning soon. I'm getting cleaned up and going to bed. But the boys are like, no way. We're too excited. Let's go watch TV. So they go watch TV for two seconds before <laughs> this dead body flops out of the drywall mm-hmm. and glenn's like oh it must be the workman terry's like well that's weird i just made that up <laughs> <laughs> but then uh the workman comes to life and grabs terry and and really pretty unceremoniously just pulls him into the wall and the wall seals back up so glenn goes to get his sister <laughs> i don't i don't know what to say i mean Frankly, watching it again this time around, it felt like it took longer than I remembered to get to the action. Uh But then once you get to it, I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. It all just kind of happens really fast. And it's a kitchen sink of stuff, isn't it? I mean, these demons are really unorganized in the way that they're going to break out of hell or whatever this is supposed to be. It's it's just a mishmash of things of like... 
I kind of feel like the writers are like, well, that would be cool if we had this. That would be cool if we mm-hmm. had that. And of course, you know, we're going to have all these demons, and then we're going to have this kind of zombie construction worker coming out of the wall. And hey, wouldn't it be neat if the picture of them looked slaughtered? I mean, there's not a real coherent sense. Uh, I guess it's just supposed to be chaos, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's still confined to this house. <laughs> well, and not <laughs> and only kids. is it confined to the house and to those kids, but it's also like especially this last half of the movie, it's as though it's happening in real time. Everything that we're witnessing is happening to them in the course of like 45 minutes. And so it's it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. I would be scared too. Uh, Glenn goes to get Al and they have to first fight off the minions. Al tells Glenn to go get their dad's shotgun, which is downstairs in the closet. And so he goes to do that. And eventually, for whatever reason, she joins him down there. And they're trapped in the closet and the minions are like trying to get in. But all of a sudden, then the minions stop trying to get in. They don't know what's going on. Glenn hears something behind them in the closet. And of course, the construction worker bursts out again, grabs Al and pulls her in. And I don't think we've mentioned it before, but up until this point, according to Terry, the gate has only been open like a smidge because it requires two human sacrifices for it to be open entirely. Well, now they have two. They've got uh, (laughs) Terry and they've got Al. And so when Glenn runs back up to his room, he looks outside and all of this evil smoke is spewing <laughs> spewing out of the hole up into the sky. Apparently, nobody else in town is up at like four in the morning or whenever this is supposed <laughs> to be happening. Paying attention to any of this stuff going on. Because <laughs> <laughs> not only does no one come to investigate the huge pillar of smoke... But also that, like, it's spreading out, like, Ghostbusters style, like, into this huge storm across the city. I do appreciate that they at least make Glenn, like, a real kid. Like, he would have been like I was. Like, what do you do when hell opens up in your backyard? Well, you sit in your room and you cry for a little while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's totally what I would do. And there's not much he can do. I mean... The floor in their downstairs, like, foyer area has opened up into this enormous hole. And he's just sitting up. First of all, he tries to figure out. Terry said there was a way to get rid of him. And he's trying to figure it out. And he can't figure it out. Just as he had wrapped up a rocket gift for his sister, apparently she had given him a birthday card or something, too. And she had signed, it said, happy birthday, love, Al, A-L. And so that reminds him that the demon can be destroyed with love and light. And I guess he thinks that his sister gave him this huge rocket and they love each other or something. And so he's going to use this rocket to kill the demon. Well, so he's trying to get it set up. And that's when the big enormous demon that we've seen in the illustrations in the book finally emerges from the big hole in the living room. And I don't know, I didn't read much about this. I don't know if you did. I'm assuming that that was all stop motion. It must be, yeah. It kind of looked like it. There might have been shots that weren't. Like maybe they did the same thing in reverse, you know, that they did with the little ones. But it looked good (laughs) i thought it looked really good yeah it's scary and i mean it kind of looks like the little ones a little bit but it's it's slightly differently shaped and it's a little bit more like serpentine and it's got you know multiple arms as opposed to just the standard two you know it pops out and i don't even really know what to make of this part and i think i'm probably reading too much into it but it pops out and glenn's sitting there with his rocket and he's just kind of whimpering and doesn't know what to do and the thing looks at him for a while and then it grabs him by the hand and kind of lifts lifts him up a little bit but not in a particularly threatening way and then it like caresses his head and then just puts yeah. him back down and yeah. away. What was that all about? I don't know. How, how, why? 
is is it because I guess maybe in some way Glenn is responsible for freeing it? And I was also trying to connect that to why in the photograph, when the whole family is slaughtered, it's everybody except Glenn. Why? I don't know. But when it drops him, he crawls back into his room and he opens his hand and there's, again, just a hodgepodge of things. But there's an eyeball in the palm of his hand. Straight out of a Twilight Zone episode, I think, right? I don't know. I definitely was familiar, but I, I couldn't remember if I was just thinking of this or if I was connecting it to something else. Yeah, that's why I say it's just a hodgepodge of things, right? I mean, is there something? Is there supposed to be something symbolic about all this? I, I, if there is, it went right over my head. But again, you know, when I was watching this, I was a kid, and so I wasn't trying to like yeah. put big picture things together, like. That was just scary. Mm. You're like, ah! Yeah. I'm all in the hand. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. he crawls around and he gets a piece of the broken glass from the window and he stabs the eyeball out. And, you know, it, everything just happens so quickly. He he couldn't get the um, rocket lit before because with all of the chaos going around, it was too windy. He was trying to light matches and stuff. He couldn't get them lit. But then he remembers from earlier in the movie that he has that launcher that he had thrown behind the bed. Mm -hmm. So he crawls under and he gets it and he goes back out and he's trying to get it set up. He realizes there requires batteries. He starts taking the batteries out of the flashlight that he's been carrying around forever. And he loads it up and it's like, I don't know, the big demon who has now been absent for a while like senses danger. I, I don't know. <laughs> and it comes bursting out uh, really fast up through the hole again and is looking at him. And Glenn, so cute, he shouts, Happy birthday, Al! And he launches the rocket and it goes into the demon almost as though it's absorbed. Like mm. it goes into its chest, but then the chest like seals up again after. And the demon grabs Glenn and is dangling him by his leg for a minute. But then it's as though he starts to explode from the inside and all these light rays start shooting out of him. And Glenn gets up and starts running for the door just as the whole house explodes yeah and sends glenn flipping through the air across the street that was hilarious <laughs> yeah uh, and still doesn't wake up the neighbors <laughs> no well and that's what's great about it too because because then everything the sky clear oh no wait another thing that i loved was all of a sudden, it's the 4th of July. <laughs> They're fireworks yeah. in the sky. <laughs> when the big demon explodes, like, a whole fireworks stand, like, erupts out of it <laughs> into the night sky and True. makes all the clouds go away. And Angus is alive. He jumps out of the front closet now. Everybody's okay. The Yeah, Angus comes out first, which I was happy about. And then Al and Terry both come out, too. And they all hug and everything seems fine, except for that their house is completely droid. <laughs> That's yeah, that wasn't fixed. <laughs> That's a big problem, really. <laughs> How are we going to explain this to mom and dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all sit and giggle nonsensically on the front porch as the camera pans away. Uh, and that's the end of the movie. And I swear to God, you know, talking about it and, and recapping it, it sounds so stupid. And I suppose <laughs> from an objective perspective, in many ways it is. But I still find it charming. You know, I, I told my partner last night, I said, you know, at this point, I feel like maybe I've gotten to the point where I've almost seen this movie too many times. Mm. Dozens upon dozens of times I've watched this movie. And I, I think I'm outgrowing it a little bit, but it'll always be charming to me. And it'll always make me think of being a kid because this came out, what, in 87? So I would have been like eight. And I imagine that I probably saw it pretty soon after that. I mean, I was young and, and watched it 
repeatedly throughout my childhood. Um, just like I did with so many of those other movies that we talk about all the time, like the Goonies and, and that type of thing. It was in heavy rotation yeah. uh, at my house. And so I just have really fond nostalgia for it. Um, and I still would recommend it to other fans of the genre. It's it's not amazing. It's not some, you know, cinematic feat, but it's cute. And it's kind of a time capsule of uh, the 80s. It's got all that nice stuff, all the hair, all the outfits, all the goofiness. And like you said, just the general theme of the movie, the kids save the day with all this improbable stuff kind of coming together. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but as a kid, it's fun to watch this sort of thing. This is kind of an adventure that takes place while the parents are away. Right. I I agree with you. As an adult, it doesn't, especially if you've never seen it before, I think as an adult, it's probably not going to hold the same charm for you unless you're really pining for this kind of movie again, like us. But it's a great one to watch with your kids. There's no real gore in it, Mm -hmm. although there's some kind of gross moments. It pretty much earns its PG-13 rating, I think. Yeah. And the effects are just really nice. The writer of this movie wrote another movie, Ruskies. Did you ever see Ruskies? I don't think so. That was about the Russians invading, and once again, kids have to help save the day in that one. And then he wrote a sequel to this, The Gate 2, which the the director and writer collaborated on as well just a couple years later. Now, have you seen that one? Yeah, I saw it. That was one of those things, again, back in the days before the internet, you would go to the video store, and all of a sudden, there would be this movie that you had no idea was even being made. And, And that's what happened with me with the gate too. I, I saw it on the shelf and like I freaked out because you know I loved the gate. I rented it and I remember at the time thinking that it was not good. I just didn't think that it lived up to the original at all. It follows Terry. I, I think it's supposed to be one year after the events of the original movie. Glenn and his family have moved away from their house, but Terry is still there. His life is rough. His dad, of course you know, his mom is still dead and uh, his dad's an alcoholic. And I don't remember exactly how he justifies it, but somehow he thinks that he can like use the demon's power if he summons them again. And so he does. And somehow he captures one of the minions. And all of a sudden it's like, The minion, I mean, it doesn't do anything different than it does in this movie. It doesn't talk. It doesn't have any kind of like discernible character. He just keeps it in a birdcage. But like, apparently it can grant wishes. But then it becomes a whole monkey paw situation where it seems like, oh, everything's great. It can grant these wishes. But then after 24 hours or something, it, it goes bad and there are consequences to the wishes or whatever and it ends up with terry crossing over into the hell dimension to like confront these ancient gods or whatever and i at the time i thought it was really stupid i watched it again recently because it was streaming somewhere i don't remember where it was i think it was on shutter and i liked it better than i remembered liking it before Mm. and there was actually some kind of ambitious stuff that those final scenes like in the hell dimension were kind of ambitious i still don't like it as much as i like the original but it's interesting in its own right well that's cool the director um tibor i don't know how you say his name tibor takox He's Hungarian. He's done a lot of television, mostly, since this. Yeah. Sabrina the Teenage Witch and The Outer Limits. Just a lot of random things. But a lot. He's wor- It seems like... And he's still working quite a bit. Yeah, he's working now. He's got stuff in production, pre-production filming right now. Some Christmas movies. I guess there for a little while in the early aughts, he was doing some of those crazy TV movies about giant things like Mansquito and Mega Snake and Ice Spiders. <laughs> Nice. Ice spiders. We should do ice spiders sometimes. That sounds awesome. We'll see. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it seems to have done served him well. It was one of his uh, one of his first. I think is actually his first feature length film back in eighty seven. So and you know Stephen Dorff went on to be quite famous there for a while. I haven't seen anything out of him for a while, but um, I remember 
him in one of the Aerosmith videos with Alicia Silverstone. He was like the bad boy mm-hmm. um, boyfriend in one of those. And he was the villain in one of the Blade movies. And, and he's done uh, a lot of stuff. The rest of them, not so much. The two uh, girls who played the annoying twins, they've gone on to do a lot of TV. So, you know, it, it's one of those movies where you've got young actors and and new filmmakers who would go on to do other things and you just kind of see innovation and imagination and i appreciate that they've they've talked about remaking it forever and i actually think this is a movie that would be good for a remake because it's so hodgepodgey i feel like they wouldn't necessarily need to stick to the specific details of yeah the the original they could explore different things. Um, and of course, with new innovations and special effects, there's all kinds of things uh, that they could do. It was announced that they were making a sequel back in the early aughts, back when you know 3D was regaining popularity and it was going to be the gate 3D. And it was supposed to come out in 2011. It's still listed as in production on IMDb, but I have a feeling that since a decade has passed since it was supposed to be released. I doubt it's moving forward very quickly at this point, but who knows? Maybe we'll see a remake someday. Yeah, maybe. Until then, you've got this to watch, and it's streaming on a number of different places. It's available online. It's not hard to find at all. And now, Craig, we have done The Gate. Finally. What is left? What is left to do? I don't know, but (laughs) now you can relax that I'm not pestering you about it all the time. (laughs) I'm glad that uh, we were able to do this for you and kick off this month of kid-oriented live-action horror movies. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. You can find us online. You can also find us on YouTube now. Go check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe there if you haven't already. That just helps us build our subscriber numbers a little bit. Gives us a little bit more exposure and maybe helps us to do a few more things there. Of course, if you search for Two Guys and a Chainsaw, you'll find our podcast and you'll find our website. You can leave us a comment anywhere you want. Let us know what you thought of this film and also request new films for us to do in the future. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Uh-huh.